This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast, where, of course, we'll be talking about everything Tottenham Hotspur. And I've got a very special guest this evening with me. I've got Ben Daniel from We Are Tottenham TV. Ben, it's been such a long time. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. Really good. Um, looking forward to being here. I mean, it's been a long time coming, uh, you know, doing a stream together. So very excited for this one. So thanks for having me. I remember the last time I think you and Sim were on my channel was actually um you didn't get invited you actually uh just sabotaged my stream because uh of course it was Norwich away under Antonio Conte when we just clinched Champions League you remember those days yeah I kind of vaguely remember that did I just kind of like just barge into your stream like overexcited yeah. me yeah That's sounds it. like me loved it, it. <laughs> and, and of course I saw you guys out in Israel in yeah. summer that was good wasn't it yeah, it was really. I think I might have done the same to you, to be honest. When you were invite, when you were interviewing Sim outside the stadium, I think I might have barged in on that one as well. But I think that one was a bit too many uh, beers. Uh, that that was my excuse that time. Oh well, I don't blame you on that. I tell you what, Ben, I do miss uh, seeing you guys on the European away because, of course, no European football this year. Um, but we must warn everyone anyway because you're on high alert at the moment. You might have to go at any moment. Um, do you want to tell everyone the news? Yeah, well, my wife is um, basically about to give birth any minute now. So <laughs> at any moment, I can, I can, you know, receive the call. It could be today, tomorrow, um, anytime. So, yeah, I'm even off going to uh, Spurs at the moment. That's how bad it is. I love how the, the wife's about to give birth, but you're talking to me about Spurs on this stream. <laughs> well, that's how much I want to stream with you, Chris, eh? <laughs> well, let's start with the positives, Ben, because, of course, we have gone round in circles these last few years. And uh, you know, I remember talking to you guys under Pochettino on a regular basis, and we were all living the life then. Of course, we went to Wembley, come back to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, since then, we've gone through Jose Mourinho, Nuno, 
Antonio Conte, Stellini, Mason. Now Andrew's in charge. How are you feeling right now? I mean, I'm I'm pretty much on top of the world at the moment. I think I've fought, I've completely fallen for Ange. I think he's absolutely brilliant. After Pochettino left, I didn't think I could fall in love with a manager uh, so quickly. And like it only yeah. took basically, even in pre-season, pretty much I'd fallen in love with him. You could see what he was trying to do, the attacking football, the way he comes across in the media as well. I just feel like every decision he makes seems like the right decision. And I'm just loving it at the moment. I think that we're finally on the right path after so many years in the wilderness. And um, the signings that we're bringing in as well, all top notch. I think finally the club are going in the right direction. It's so good to see. It's so good to see. And we're, we're seeing a brand of football that we grew up with, that we know, that we love. And it's like kind of moved. You couldn't get any more opposite to like Conte and Jose Ball to what we're seeing now. And it's the complete breath of fresh air. And you can see the sense around the stadium at away games, you know, the vibe and the positivity is there for all to see, even when we're losing games, you know, and that's what it's all about. I've been saying, Ben, in these last few months that I've never known that connection between fans and a manager in the Premier League, let alone Tottenham in the Premier League. Would you agree? I think that we had that connection under Pochettino. I did. Think it, took that, a, it took a few years, though, didn't it? Oh, yeah. In yeah. terms of like instant connection, I think I agree with you, to be honest, because I've, yeah, you're right. I've never seen like an instant connection. And I'm not sure if it's down to Ange himself or it's how starved we were over the past four or five years that we're just dying for that connection. But I think it's a bit of both, to be honest. But Ange couldn't have done um, anything wrong in my books. I mean, he's just brilliant. Everything about him is absolutely brilliant. Just going back over the last couple of years, Pochettino sacked in November 2019. The yeah. correct decision for you? Yes or no? No, definitely not. 100%. How, how, how could anyone call that the correct decision after what we've had to go through over the past five years? I mean, if anyone deserved to kind of go through the rebuild or, you know, get a second chance, because it wasn't going well at the start of that season, but I felt like we just sacked him at the first sign of trouble. And he deserved yeah. a lot more than that. He deserved a lot more respect from the board, in my opinion. And if we, if we would have given him that second chance and would have given him the chance to rebuild, who knows? He could still be here now. Look, I'm not saying I'm, I'm very happy with Ange, obviously, but I think that Pochettino's tenure definitely did end too early. And what we had to go through after that was just an absolute kick in the face after what we had with Poch. Ben, were you one of the fans at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium singing Pochettino's name at the end of last season? No, I wasn't actually. I, I disagreed with singing his name, uh, to be honest. Even though I did want him back, I did want him back. I'm going to hold my hands up and say that, but I just know uh, I couldn't sing his name. Um, I agree. Was, I didn't either. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted him back. Um, what about sacking Jose at the time we did a few days before the final? I don't know whether you've seen the clip in the last 24 hours or so, yeah. but he went on the pod, uh, OB1 uh, podcast saying that, you know, sacking him a couple of days before the final. Wow. You know, empty trophy cabinet, all of that. Did, did you agree with that decision? Look, I, I, I think it's an absolutely ridiculous decision for a club that's starving for trophies. Three days before a cup final, you sack a manager who is known for bringing in trophies. I think it was a ridiculous decision. And I'm of the firm belief that Jose got sacked because he we had a slight chance of getting top four that season and he wanted to mm. rest players in the league games and, and focus on the cup final, which I thought was probably the right decision. If you're starving of trophies as much as we were, going into a cup final against Man City, 
I think you've got to put all the eggs in that basket and, and try and win that trophy. So, no, I completely disagree with the Jose Mourinho sacking. As much as I thought he was a bad fit for the football club, I was fully on board with Jose. Maybe sack him at the end of the season after that cup final, but three days before a cup final is totally wrong. Totally wrong. Well, news today that Nottingham Forest are about to appoint our former manager that was going to make us proud, apparently, Ben. Uh, <laughs> Nuno Espirito Santo going to Forest. What do you make of that? You know what? I've, I've actually thought about this one, and I think that it's a good fit for Nottingham Forest. I think he really? he's not. I don't think he's a bad manager. Obviously, I think Tottenham was was too much for him. I think Tottenham is too much of a big club for someone like Nuno. But you saw the work he did at Wolves. He did a great job at Wolves. You know, got, getting them European football, pushing them up uh, the Premier League table. So I think like a club like Nottingham Forest, where you know, they, they're quite suited to five at the back and the way Nuno wants to play backs against the wall. I actually think he could do a good job there. I, I disagree. I think that Steve uh, oh. Cooper should have remained. I really do. Uh, especially especially the way they gave us a game on Friday evening. Um, very quickly, Ben, um, do you want to talk about Conte? What did you make of Conte at Tottenham? Um, obviously, first season, the way he got us into that top four was absolutely brilliant. I thought from January till the end of the season that year, I thought we were absolutely brilliant. And we actually saw, you know, the nucleus of a Conte team and what he wanted to do. But I think it was always basically doomed to end the way it did with Antonio Conte. You know what he's like, a complete hothead. And if you're going to have Antonio Conte and Jose Mourinho as your manager, you've got to give him a top class defence to work with. And when mm -hmm. he's got the likes of Eric Dyer, Jose got Joe Roden. Uh, yeah, fine. Conte got Cuti Romero, but on top of that, he got Clement Longley as well. So you've got yeah. to give him a top class players and top class defense to work with. And if you don't, it's always going to end the way it did. I think on the face of things, both of those managers were the wrong fit for the football club. But having said that, I I completely backed them and I completely got on board with it because I felt like it was at a time where the board were going to change the ways that they were going to act. And if they were going to change the ways that were going to, they were going to act, I thought it could work. But I was proved wrong um, yet again. And ultimately, it was the wrong fit, completely wrong fit for the football club. And you've got to go for managers like Pochettino, like Postacoglu, who like to play this bland of football, who can work with the younger players and nurture younger players as well. I just think Conte um, was just a completely wrong fit. And, and that's what it came to be. And before we move on to talk about Ange Postacoglu, you mentioned the board there, and it's fair to say in recent seasons you've been very critical and your channel has been very critical of the board. Do you see a difference now going forward under Ange, not just by appointing this head coach, but, you know, there has been so many um, different appointments, you know, people uh, going, people coming in um, at the football club, you know, in, in, in recent months. Um, do you see that we are going now in the right direction um, on and off the pitch. Yeah, I think uh, to say I was, a, if I was to say I was a fan of Daniel Levy would be a big understatement. Let's put it that way. But I think that for everything, for everything that we've had to put uh, go through in the last five years, I think he and the board have been highly culpable of. Um, but as much as you criticise, you've got to commend as well and and call it how it is. And I think right now. The club are 100% going in the right direction. So I completely commend um, Daniel Levy and the board for helping us get back on track. But I don't think it kind of takes away from why we went off track for so many years. But having said that, the, the recruitment is spot on. I think 
when he brought in Paratici and the recruitment since Paratici has come in, I think has yeah. been top notch. You look at the signings and the and the squad that we have now: Destiny Adogi, Pape Matasar, Mickey Van de Ven. I mean, the team is just full of talent at the moment. So you've got to commend it and you've got to say it how it is. So, as much as we have been off track for five years, you've got to say that Daniel Levy and the board have finally seem to have got things right and on the right track. And I just want to see them keep pushing in the way that they're going and keep bringing in talent to the same kind of caliber that we have been bringing in the last couple of windows. So if we keep carrying on and doing that, then um, I'll have nothing but good things to say for the future of Daniel Levy. That is the big question, though, Ben. All of us fan channels uh, that cover Tottenham on a regular basis, we're all asking that same question. Is that level of uh, you know quality going to continue to come in during the transfer windows. How confident are you that that's going to happen? Because the likes of Fabrizio Romano and um, Ornstein have come out and said that there's not much money to spend and Tottenham are not going to go out and big, spend big in the January transfer window. Um, I am of the view that when you look at players like the Celso, who's delivered very little since he arrived in 2019, and you know, Tongyon Dombele is another a record signing, you know, co- uh, constantly out on loan. And, uh, you know, we can't seem to ever get... Um, you know, to play very well in the Tottenham Hotspur shirt under various different managers. Um, is it, in your opinion, is it about going out, spending big money, or is it trying to identify the right players and perhaps get, you know, for example, this January transfer window, if we signed a player uh, like a striker on loan, would you have a problem with that when they can come in and actually do a job? Um, or do you want the club to go out and spend big? Are you, are you about the money or are you about you know, the, the clever deals that the club can do? I'm actually not about the money. I'm, I'm about the clever deals the club can do. All you need to do is go look at the goalkeeper that we signed in the summer, Vicario, you know, 17 million, I think he was, when we were going for him or David Rea. I mean, at the time, I was completely incensed. I was like, why are you going for this guy? I have no clue who he is. David Rea's there. Just pick him up. 40 million. So you need to calm down, Ben. Yeah, 100%. I, I I did need to calm down and I, I kind of backtracked on that and I've apologised and, and said my piece on it. But you, you need to identify the talent. I don't think it's about spending money and just going out and spending 100 million here, 100 million there. That's yeah. not the way to do it. You see how Chelsea have gone down that route. It's not working for them. You see how Manchester United have gone down that route. It's not working for them. You need to identify and, and uh, with absolute precision in the data analytics, which we're really doing at the moment. And I think every single player that we've brought in has been brought in with those metrics. You see Mickey van der Ven, we desperately need a left centre-back. We went yeah. out there, we got a pacey, strong centre-back. And I don't think like we could have got a better player in that position from what he's shown so far. He's come in, hit the ground running completely. Like I said, Vicario, um, he's been probably the best goalkeeper in the Premier League this season. That's how highly I rate him. Um, yeah. You're looking at all these Pape Matasar as well. Like, yeah, we bought him maybe a few years back, but he's a player with incredible talent. And I feel like he's only going to keep growing and keep growing and keep growing. Destiny Adoggi as well. Like, he's been one of the best left backs in the league. And these players have not been brought in. Like, we didn't break the bank to bring in any of these players. So, if you trust the scouting and if you trust the data analytics in the way that we're doing right now, that's the way to go. I, I don't think the way to go is just going. Oh, just go and spend a hundred million here and a hundred million there. I think the path that we're on is the right path. And what are you expecting from this season now? Because of course, Postacoglu's come in. He's shown us straight away that he can play 
uh, this entertaining style of football, which is great. We're all loving it at the moment. And those home games are like a, a party atmosphere. I'm absolutely loving it. And the away uh, end, you know, in the away games is absolutely brilliant as well. Um, what have you made of this season so far and uh, what are you expecting now, particularly after we went on that un, uh, unbeaten run in the first 10, sitting top of the league? Well, let's take it back to expectations before the season started, right? Ange Postacoglu comes in. We lose Harry Kane. Everyone outside of Tottenham being like, "Oh, you're go you're just going to fight Fulham's and Crystal Palaces this year." You're not sorry. Can I can I also ask as well your opinion at the time when we appointed Ange? Were you disappointed because you know so many top European names were, were, were coming out that you know fans wanted the likes of Julian uh, Nagelsmann, uh, and then of course Ange Postecoglou turned up. I know that there were a lot of fans going, "Oh, we've got our second, third, fourth, fifth choice." Um, but yeah. Spurs, Spurs really wanted him. When we were first linked with Ange, I um, I wasn't too sure. I knew the work that he did at Celtic and I knew the kind of football that he played. But I wasn't 100% sure that he could come to the Premier League and do it straight away. Um, but after doing a lot of research into him, I did extensive yeah. research into this guy because I didn't really know much about him. And... I watched interviews of him. I was reading about all his work at his various different jobs out in Japan, the Australian national team and, and what have you, and out in Australia as well. And I completely bought into him straight away. Like, I really thought this guy, you know, he can come in and he seems like the right fit. And I had a few people. I've got this uh, a friend of mine who comes on the channel sometimes. He's based in Australia, an English guy. And he's been following Ange his whole career. And he basically was messaging me every night, banging on, Ange is the guy, Ange is the guy, Ange is the guy. And I was like, I wasn't sure at first, but he completely swayed me. The more I researched him, the more I really liked him. And as soon as, um, as, soon as we signed him, I was completely bought into it. I'm not going to lie. I really was. Um, but back to, your, back to your question about expectations. I mean, I thought... Getting into the Europa League this season, going into on a run in a cup would be a really good season for us, uh, to be honest. After losing, you, you can't underestimate how much it is to lose Harry Kane, your top prem, top Premier League goal scorer, top goal scorer of all yeah. time, the talisman of the club. I mean, not many clubs, I think, can lose a player of that stature and actually get better. I just don't. I still don't understand how this has worked, like how we've actually got better after losing Harry Kane. But is it is it better or different? I think it's different and better, to be honest. <laughs> I really do. I think the football's better. We're not relying on just one man. We're a whole team. We're a cohesive unit. Um, yeah. Obviously, we don't have a player that is as good as Harry Kane. But as a team, we are a lot better. I don't think anyone can say otherwise, to be honest. But I think the expectations now, I'm looking at that Champions League spot, uh, to be honest. I think we're only six points behind top of the league. But... I think our squad is just way too thin um, to think anything more than a top four challenge. I want to really prioritise the FA Cup this year. I think we can do some real damage in the FA Cup, if not go all the way. Um, but if we get top four and semi-finals plus in the FA Cup, I think that would be a brilliant season for us. Uh, but I'm looking at, you know, beefing up that squad in the summer and in January and then doing the unthinkable next season. That's the thing, isn't it? If you get in the Champions League, you've then got to have a, another excellent window in the summer to then compete in the Champions League. Ben, if I was to ask you, and I know this question comes up on a lot of these types of streams, FA Cup, to win the FA Cup or get into the top four, what's, what's your priority? Oh, I hate this question. 
I absolutely hate this question because whenever Owen asks me this question saying, I don't want either, I want both, you know, but, you know, in these hypothetical situations, I know you've got to pick one of them because we've been starved so long of um, trophies. Usually I've always said, usually I've always said Champions League when it was under Pochettino um, and even under Conte um, and Mourinho, I've always said Champions League, but now it's just been so long. I just want to get that monkey off our back. And if Ange can do that and deliver it for us, get an FA Cup, I really believe it can be a springboard um, to go on and do bigger and better things next year. Um, and I think Europa League is a, is, is a top tournament still. Don't, don't write off the Europa League. If we do get into the Europa League, it's a competition that we can very much win next season. So um, I would just about side with the FA Cup, but it is tight. At the end of last season, we did have a chance of getting into the Europa Conference for this season. Did you want it or not? Not particularly, um, to be honest. I always thought that if it's between the Conference League or going out of Europe completely with the squad that we had, I just felt like playing one game a week would really benefit us in terms of how well we could do in the league uh, the following season. But having said that, when I saw West Ham winning the Conference League last year, my That's opinion... exactly what was I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, my opinions did change a little bit. And I saw them running around that pitch with that trophy. And it's like, how the hell can West Ham win a trophy before us? I was like, how is this happening? But still, like, if I put that to the back of my mind and forget I saw West Ham lifting that trophy, I still would have decided being out of the Conference League just because I thought, and I think it is really valuable to us, just being one game a week. And you're seeing even one game a week, our squad can't yeah. handle with these injuries that we've got at the moment. So if we're in the Conference League this season, I don't think we would be able to handle it. Ben, what do you think Tottenham are um, good enough to do this season, though, in, in terms of league position? Because I think that it's fair to say that most people are very surprised. You know, we're, we're nearly at the halfway point in the Premier League season. Mm. And as you mentioned, six points away from top, only one point away from fourth place and champions Manchester City. It's an incredible position to be in, isn't it? It's um... I mean, I'm pinching myself because I never thought we'd be at this situa this point in the season and be only six points behind the league leaders. It's absolutely crazy. As not only that, but for a stretch of four or five games, we were playing with two fullbacks at centre-back. I mean, like, how are we yeah. in this position? We should not be in this position. And that is testament to Ange, testament to the um, signings that we have brought in. I would say, like, there's two different questions here because there's what are we good enough to do if we have a fully fit squad? but we never seem to have a fully fit squad. I mean, Ben no. Tancor comes back for a year out and suddenly he's out injured again uh, for a foreseeable amount of time. You've got James Madison, who is probably the best player in the Premier League. He gets a massive injury, probably the biggest injury of his career. Mickey van der Ven as well. Um, it was all heartbreaking to see these players break down. Like that Chelsea game just completely ruined our season. Um, that, that five, ten minute period where Romero gets sent off, Van der Ven goes down, Madison goes down, Adogi gets sent off in the second half. I'm like, this is just so classic Spurs, like how everything could just come tumbling down in the space of 45 minutes. But I actually genuinely believe if we got as, as, as lucky to not have these injuries and not have these crazy turn of events that we went through, I think that we could have done something special this season, like maybe not win the league, but fight for the title and, and be up there. Because I think like if we wouldn't have, got, let's say that Chelsea game and those crazy circumstances didn't happen, I think we'd be very close to top of the league, if not top of the league right now. Yeah, so, I agree. So to say that, 
why why couldn't we if we got very lucky and stayed clear of these crazy injuries all the way through the season why couldn't we have fought for the league this season with the way we're playing our football uh with the mentality that we have with the manager that we have with the players we have i think our first 11 everyone fit is comparable to anyone in the league yeah absolutely um Ben, when I did my research, as you did, uh, before the season started uh, about Ange Postacoglu, um, one thing I noticed that he took a lot of the cup competition seriously. Of course, he won the treble with uh, Celtic last season. Were you yeah. surprised? Because I was when he made 10 changes against Fulham. And the reason I asked that is because, of course, we've got the FA Cup competition coming up uh, only in a couple of weeks' time against Burnley at home. Um, do, you ex- do you expect Ange to take the FA Cup more seriously than he did the the League Cup? Yeah, if he doesn't, I'll be bitterly disappointed. I really would be because, look, it's our only realistic chance of winning a trophy from now until the end of the season. The League Cup, um, look, I think it was a bad decision. I think that's his only real bad decision so far as Spurs manager, to be honest, is that game against Fulham. But he stood by by that decision, didn't he? Saying that he's got to see these players. Was that the right time to do it or was pre-season enough for him to see those players? I think like we've seen so many times players smash it out on pre-season and then we actually see them in competitive games and yeah, they've flattered to deceive a bit. So I do believe that he had to see them in a competitive game, but I didn't think he had to make as many changes as he did. Like I think it was like nine changes on the day or something like Mickey Van Der Ven, 10. Mickey Van Der Ven was the only one I think that played. I didn't think Fraser Forster had to play. Because um, Fraser Forster, I, I thought maybe he should have brought on Vicario maybe just before the penalties or something because you never want Fraser Forster in goal uh, for a penalty shootout. So I do think um, it was a bit of a blot against Ange Postacoglu's name, but I'm not going to hold it against him. I do agree that he had to see some of the players. It's just a shame that he he had to make so many changes all at once because I felt like because we went we ran them all the way close, right? We nearly won the game. Um, we just lost on penalties at the end of the day. And I think if he would have made maybe just four or five changes instead of 10, then it could have been a different story. We know, of course, Basuma, Saar and Son won't be playing the FA Cup game, but how many mm. tra- changes do you think he will make from uh, the previous league game for that FA Cup match? Um, hopefully, well, the previous league game will be the the Bournemouth game, won't it? So you've got all the players that you're talking about that go into the AFCON and the Asia Cup, so they're force changes. I'm hoping that he doesn't make any changes apart from that unless he really thinks in a tactical way that they can help us because when you look at it, we've got Burnley, what was it, in the 5th or the 6th? And then we don't play Manchester United in the league until the 14th. So there's quite a big gap between Burnley yeah. and Man United from the Cup to the league. So there's no reason to rest anyone in those game, in that game against Burnley. So... I'm looking to go full strength, to be honest, and I don't think that we should be resting players. No chance. Ben, what's been your highlight of the season so far when you've been the most happy? Oof. Oof. I, I, think, I, won't uh, ask about the, I won't ask about the most disappointing. It's probably the Chelsea game, isn't it? The Chelsea game was just so upsetting because we played so well. And like when we were down to nine men with that high line, I was like, what the hell is going on here? I've never seen anything like that before, especially in the Premier League. And... To be fair to Ange, we nearly nicked it, to be honest. We really did yeah. nick it. And Vicario with his sweeping keeping, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It was um, a sight to behold, uh, 100%. But what was my best moment of the season so far? I mean, there's been so many. I think like 
every game, to be honest, when we had our full strength team with Madison, Van der Ven, um, I thought Madison is just such a good player to watch and his leadership ability. Um, I didn't know this about him before he joined Spurs. He surprised me a lot, James Madison, because I always knew he had technical ability, but I didn't know he had so much about him like he actually does. So I'll say my, my favourite game so far this season, probably the second half of the Arsenal game at the Emirates. The way we tore them apart in that game at, at, at the Emirates, I thought we should have gone on to win it. Uh, the Man City game as well, going there with uh, four fullbacks at, in a back four and taking away a point and playing the way we did, I thought was brilliant. Um, obviously, the last minute winner against Liverpool, but I wouldn't say that was my favourite game because I don't think we were as good in that game as maybe we have been in previous games. Um the Burnley game was pretty good. Five goals away from home up at Turf Moor, I thought was brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, there's been so many standout moments already this season. Um, and hopefully there's a lot more to come. It feels like a long time ago, doesn't it, that um, our flight in Israel was cancelled? I know, I know, I know. Um, how long did you end up staying there for? I think I stayed there for another three, four days. You guys did. I had to get back to work. So mm. I had to get on another flight. So uh, I booked another flight at the airport. But yeah, you should have seen my face when I thought I've got a couple of hours just to relax here. And then, uh, <laughs> of course, it come up on my phone. Your flight has been cancelled. My God. Um, ben, regarding the transfer window, it opens now in 12 days time. What's the yeah. definition of backing Ange Postacoglu in this transfer window. You've already touched on how many injuries we've had this season. We've got suspensions as well. More coming up um, to key players. As an absolute minimum for me, um, of course, we've just signed, um, or Fraser Forster has just signed an extended contract. I think that we need to strengthen in defence, in midfield and a striker. So for me, I think that bringing three players in uh, one in each department. Would, would you agree with that? Do you think that that is uh, doable? Do you think that Tottenham will deliver that to Ange? Look, it's. Um, I, I agree with you. I totally agree that the, those are the three positions that we desperately need in this January. Centre-back is on utmost priority. I don't, Eric Dyer is not, not um, cutting it. I think Eric Dyer unfortunately, needs to leave after all the service he's given to the club. Um, he's not fit enough to play anymore. Um, he can't play Ange ball in, in terms of the attributes he has. So a centre-back is 100% needed. Um, there's a lot of talk about various different centre-backs coming in at the moment. I think we will get that done. I think in terms of the front line, Ange has already spoken a couple of times. The, the front line doesn't play as fluid as he wants it to be. I think what he really wants from his wingers is to push really far out wide, be one-on-one demons, being able to take on that fullback consistently time after time and get good crosses in the box, maybe hit the byline, cut it back. I just don't think we have wingers that are kind of classic Ange wingers, if you know what I mean, in the, in the mould that I've just spoken about. So I would like to see winger, centre-back, but the midfielder one is difficult because... Obviously, we're very short in midfield in January. But after January, all our midfielders are going to start to come back. So Yeah, true, yeah. So what do you do? Do you bring in a midfielder on loan until the end of the season? I mean, Calvin Phillips is there. Do you, do you go for him uh, maybe on loan? He's not getting a look at looking at Man City. Or do you look at someone like Hoybien, Lo Celso and try to do a deal to get them out of the club maybe towards the latter stages of January and maybe bring in, still bring in that Phillips? So... I agree we need in a midfielder, but I feel like that need for a midfielder, if we do keep Lo Celso and Hoybier, just kind of vanishes after January when all these players start filtering back. So I'm a bit undecided which way to go on that one. I mean, for peace of mind, I would like just to bring one in um, and see how it goes. But 
I do think like our midfield options when everyone fit. I don't think anyone in the Premier League has better midfield options like as as a group than us. Like Ben Tankle, what a midfielder! I think he's the best yeah. midfielder at the club. Eve Bissouma, as much as he's not in good form at the moment, first ten games of the season he was incredible, and we need to get yeah. him back to those kind of heights. Um, I'm just I'm just not too sure about Skip. I'm not sure about Hoybier and I'm not sure about Lacelso. I know Lacelso has had a couple of good games, but his contract is running down. Hoybier, um, I don't think he's he's a good fit for Angeball, but I love the mentality and I love what he brings. Um, to be honest, I love him as as a player and I love him as a person, but I'm just not sure if he's got the complete right attributes to play in midfield week in week out for Ange. And I don't think he wants to be someone that just sits around on the bench and and plays a bit part role like he has been doing this season. So. Those are the three players that I look at and I think, look, are their, are their time at the club coming to a bit of an end? I've never really taken to Lacelso, I must say, Ben. Um, I just think that he's had, he's had opportunities. He's had a lot of injuries. He's gone out on loan as well. Um, and even like these past few weeks, he's had a couple of good games for us, of course, scoring uh, against Manchester City away as well. Um, but now he's out of the team again. Um, is it time to cash in on someone like Giovanni Lacelso? Look, he's uh, he's injured again. I mean, this guy just can't stay fit, unfortunately. And I, I like what he's brought to the team um, this season. I really do. Bar the Fulham game, let's let's just put that game to one side. But in the Premier League, I really have liked what I've seen so far. But unfortunately, availability is one of the best qualities, and he's hardly ever available. It's not yeah. like Pierre or Hoybier, right? I think actually Lacelso is a better fit in terms of tactically for what Ange wants to do. But Hoybier is the model professional. He's always available. Um, and that's what I love about him. And his mentality is absolutely spot on. So I, I kind of agree. I think that Lacelso, his time at the club is coming to an end. And I feel like we should be moving him on. And not for any other reason as well, as opposed to his contract is, is going to be a year in the summer. So I don't think we should be offering him a new contract. And when you've got the likes of Barcelona uh, apparently linked with him, if you believe what's in the press, then... I think that's a deal that you've probably got to look to do, to be honest, because I don't think we offer him a new contract. And if we wait any longer, the value just decreases and decreases and decreases. So, yeah, he's definitely one that we should probably be looking to move on, to be honest. Ben, what do you make of the Hugo Lloris situation? Because I would have thought that in that Shakhtar Donetsk game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, pre-season friendly, I would have thought that he would have had some sort of farewell or... Uh, not a testimonial, but, you know, a real uh, ovation by the, the Tottenham fans with the service that he's given at the club. Um, but he, he hasn't even been on the bench this season. Are you surprised? I'm not really surprised he hasn't been on the bench, albeit I was making the argument pre-season after we brought in Vicario that he probably is a better goalkeeper than Fraser Forster. So why not just keep yeah. him on the bench? He's been a great servant to the football club. It actually pains me that his last game was getting taken off at half-time in that game he got up at Newcastle. It does pain me a little bit. Um, no, that get, Shakhtar get, get, game... Get, getting taken off or wanting to go off? Yeah, well, either or, to be honest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 just, it's just not what a legend of this football club should should have to go through. I mean, he should have had the respect of having an honour in that Shakhtar game. If, don't, if you don't give him that honour, you have to give him a testimonial. He's been club captain for so long. He's been a, such a great servant for the football club. And in a in, in some bizarre way, the Shakhtar keeper got an ovation in that game and not Hugo Lloris. And I was like, what is going on here? It, I just 
didn't understand what was going on. You know, that, that Shakhtar keeper, because he's been at Shakhtar for so long, got a standing ovation and uh, from the from the Shakhtar players. And I was like, wait a second, we're at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Hugo Lloris has been here for so long, we're probably never going to see him again. Why not honour Hugo? Give him a, a testimonial, give him something. But I Actually, think, were... think, think, thinking about it, when was the last time you saw someone had a testimonial? It just seems to be like a thing of the past now. Yeah, was it Ledley King, probably? Yeah, a long time ago. 2013. But I think it's a really nice way to honour someone that's given so much to the football club. Um, You know, all these times that he's been through, through how many years has it been? 10, 11 years at the football club? Yes, it's 2012 he signed, yeah. Unbelievable. So, look, he's been a great servant. I think people's minds, especially fans, have been clouded by the last year or so with Hugo Lloris, like recency bias really comes into it, in my opinion. And people shouldn't forget what a great servant and what a great goalkeeper he's been for us uh, throughout those 10 years. So, yeah, it hurts me a little bit that he hasn't been honoured. It hurts me a little bit that um, that's his last game, the Newcastle game. But what can we do? It is what it is. It's, It's interesting what you just said there about people thinking about players, what they've done in the past. I want to talk a little bit about Ben Davis because Ange mm. is absolutely raving about Ben Davis. He's he's been, yeah. you know, when he's when he's coming to the team this season under Ange, he's performed extremely well. Do you think the criticism for Ben Davis, even now or in the past, do you think is unfair? Um, I'm a I'm a fan of Ben Davis to be honest. I think I'm probably more of a fan now than I was maybe a couple of years ago to be fair. But I think. It's a bit unfair that Ben Davis gets lumped in there with with the guys that desperately need to leave the club, like the Eric Dyers and, you know, the Matt Doherty's and the Clement Longley's and these kind of players. I think he's a level above them. He always comes in. He always does a job, whether it's at left back, whether it's at centre back. He always gives 100 percent and he's never below uh, like a six or a seven out of ten, like. He always shows his quality. And especially now in this run that we've been on, since Mickey van der Ven's been injured, he has been absolutely phenomenal in this team. I can't sing his praises enough. So I do believe that the criticism he gets is a bit over the top. And I and it's annoying that people lump him in there with those kind of players. But having said that, he's 30 years old now. His contract runs until 2025, I believe. So in the, in the summer, it'll be a year. Do I want to see him get a new contract? Probably not. I think his time at the club is probably coming to an end, but I completely appreciate everything that he's done for this football club and I appreciate what he's doing this season. Do I want to see him sold this summer? No. I want to see him stay another year with us and maybe see out his contract at Spurs. But I think to give him a new contract at 30, 31, maybe lasting till 33, 34 years old, I think we just need to move on a little bit as a football club. But I I highly appreciate Ben Davis. He's one of those players, though, Ben, that Postacoglu was talking about when he said you cannot have you know, a whole squad of world-class players. You need players like this in your squad. Mm. You do. No, you do. But we need to find the next generation of Ben Davis, in my opinion. Like, how, how, how long can we go? How long can we go for? Like, he's 30 years old at the end of the day. Like, what, are we going to give him a contract till he's 34, 35 years old? Yeah, like, yeah. We need to move on at some point. Emerson Royale, of course, he had a hard time when he signed for Spurs. Uh, then he had a good moment. And now Pedro Porro, of course, you know, Pedro Porro has been one of my favourite players this season to watch. He's been absolutely unreal. And I think that Pedro Porro gets better week by week. Uh, what do you think the future holds for Emerson? Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Emerson. I'm not going to lie. I like... I like his attitude and I just don't like his application or application is the wrong word because I think he always gives a hundred percent on the football pitch. I just don't think he has the required ability to suit what we are doing with Ange at the moment. I think you saw it when he came in at left back um, in the Wolves game. It's just night and day between him and Destiny Adoggi. Destiny was coming into the midfield, helping us with the ball progression, helping us keep the ball. His he, On the ball, Destiny is just so good. And I just feel like Emerson, every time he's on the ball, I feel like I'm banging my head against a brick wall. I think that's how poor he is on the ball. And I think everyone, whether you're a centre-back, goalkeeper, left-back, right-back, centre-mid, you have to be top-notch on the ball in this system. And unfortunately, Emerson isn't that. And I, the only way I want to see Emerson play now is if Pedro Porra is injured. I don't want to see him at left-back. don't want to see him at centre-back. And... I mean, I don't really want to see him at right back, but if Pedro Porro is injured, he's like the only option uh, that we got, to be honest. But I think like we should be looking to sell him um, in the summer. It's, it is a shame because I think like he's a bit of a cult, cult figure here where with his mentality, with his jokes and everything like that, I like him. I like him as a person, but in terms of his footballing ability, I, I just don't see where he fits in, uh, to be honest. And He's. I, th I think every time he started this season, we haven't won. We've drawn or lost every time he started this season. That's the stat. Um, whether Whatever you want to read into that, you can read into that. But like I said, I just don't think he's of the required ability of what we're trying to do here. Hoybier apparently wants to go out the door. Um, mm -hmm. Oliver Skip as well, um, you know, he's performed uh, very well when he's came in uh, under Postacoglu. And I think that both of them, um, they have performed well under Ange. What have you made of both of them? Would you like to see them to head out the door? Because, you know, certainly in recent weeks, I've seen a lot of criticism on Oliver Skip, but it's fair to say, like, even the Forest game on Friday, he's come on and he's done a job. I don't know. I mean, Skip, Skip needs to further his development, in my opinion. Or, 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 or Ben, could I put it another way? So, some of these players that we were mentioning, could mm. they develop even better and become better players under Ange? Because I think it's fair to say that Ben Davis is a much better player under Ange Postacoglu, as we've just mentioned. Yeah, I agree with that. Ben Davis is a better player under Postacoglu. And I agree that they can get better under Ange, 100%. But Hoybier wants to be starting every game. He wants to play at the Euros. He wants to play at the World Cups. He's one of yep. his country's uh, most important players. Let's have it right. So... For him to be here and to have all those midfielders ahead of him in the pecking order, I think there's only one option but for him to leave. 
I don't think he's going to fight his way to be ahead of Bissouma, Bentancor, and all the top midfielders that we have at the moment. Even Kulisevsky moving into the middle now and, and moving into midfield, yeah. who's much better than him and has much better technical ability. So as much as I do rate Hoybier, I just feel like he's so far down the pecking order that he's only got one option but to leave and, and to go and start week in, week out, because he can start week in, week out at top clubs. That's, that's, but, that's... but fair play to him, though, Ben. Every single time he's come in, He's done a magnificent job. He's been he's been like the the true professional, hasn't he? He's a model professional. We know that about Hoybier. He's always going to give a hundred percent, and that's why we love him so much. Because no matter what happens, you know he'll be ready to play um, at any point in the game. He'll come in and do a job for us. Um, so that's that's Hoybier. On Oli Skip is a bit different because I feel Oli Skip needs to be playing football to aid his development. You have got to remember he's still a young player, hasn't played that much football in his career. Yeah. And I feel like him just being on the bench, not getting too many, too many minutes, he's just going to stagnate. So I feel like we either need to sell him or he needs to go out on loan and get minutes regularly in the Premier League. So I'm, I was a big fan of Oli Skip under um, Nuno, under Conte. But every time I've seen him this season, I just feel like we need more. We need a better technician in the middle of the park. I like the attitude he has. I like... Um, the ability, I just feel like he needs a bit more technical ability and maybe he can get that because when he was a younger boy coming through the ranks in the youth academy, you know, he was known for that technical ability. There was that, I don't know if you ever saw that video of the Dutch team playing under 19s or under 21s talking about Oli Skip saying, wow, this Oli Skip, uh, don't give him an inch. He's an unbelievable football player, that technical ability ben, they were talking about. I, I remember watching Oliver Skip as a 17-year-old uh, playing yeah. in the under 23s at the time. I know it's uh, changing out to under 21s, but it was the under 23s at the time. So he was playing against uh, guys that were six years older than him. He was the yeah. best player on the pitch. Yeah. yeah, look, I rate, I do rate Oli Skip. Don't don't get me wrong, but I just feel like him being here under these circumstances right now, it's just it's just making him stagnate a little bit, and it's not helping him, and it's not helping us. Just him playing a bit part role and, and minutes here and there. So maybe the best course of action is for him to go out on loan for a year to another Premier League club, maybe a bit lower down in the table, maybe. But I just feel like again, like I said with Hoybier, with the midfield players that we have here, is Oli Skip ever gonna break his way into the team consistently with with the midfielders that we got here? I, I very much question it. Would you agree with me that I don't see any of our players leaving in the January transfer window, certainly on a permanent deal, um, because of the amount of injuries and suspensions we've got? Do you agree with that? I I think that if we wouldn't have had the injuries, I would have I could have seen Hoybier potentially going. But now mm. we do have the injuries, we just can't allow them to go. That's just the facts of the matter. We just cannot allow them to go. We're too short on numbers as it is. So if we sell anyone, we have to we have to replace them. But even replacing them, we still need more numbers than that. So I don't think, yeah, I don't. I agree with you. I don't think we can uh, let any player go, to be honest. Ben, you mentioned Eric Dyer earlier. Of course, his contract runs out at the end of the season. Um, mm. Do you think that Spurs should try to cash in on him in January because he seems adamant that he wants to see out the contract until the summer? And also to add in the question about Ashley Phillips, I've got to admit, I think that when we go through this rebuild as a football club. Um, we buy Ashley Phillips in and Andrew said many times that he is part of the first team squad. Were you surprised yeah. that um, when we had the injury suspensions and so on, that Ashley Phillips didn't actually come in and Eric Dyer was actually before him? I was surprised, to be honest. And I think Ange saw 
very quickly that Eric Dyer wasn't going to cut it. I mean, after I think we, what he's we, we've he seen that for a long time. I know we've seen that for a long time, but Ange needs to see it himself. And I, I think Ange would have known in the back of his mind anyway, but I thought he maybe gave him the respect because he's been at the club for so long and he's been a good servant and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I was surprised not to see Ashley Phillips. And I think we would have seen Ashley Phillips by now if he didn't get that injury, to be honest. And he's yeah. still injured now, which is very unfortunate. Um, so I, I feel like a lot of people being like, oh, we need to bring in two centre-backs. But I don't agree. I think only one. Um, I think we only need to bring in one because you've got the likes of Ashley Phillips coming through. You've got the likes of Dorrington as well. So Ange already said only a few weeks ago, like, oh, the fixtures are coming up thick and fast now. Dorrington probably is going to get his chance. And I would love to see Dorrington get his chance, but I wouldn't like to see him get his chance this weekend at Everton because they're like the most physical team in the Premier League, but maybe against Brighton. But I think um, I would love to cash in on Eric Dyer in January. But I just don't think it's going to happen because he's he's uh, kicking his heels in to stay at the club until that contract's up, till he gets the big signing on bonus, gets the pick of the clubs that he wants to go to. I mean, we had offers for him in the summer and he rejected them all. So what's going to change now? Ben, what have you made of the red cards this season, Basuma and Romero uh, in particular? And, you know, with, with the aggression, I've got to admit, I like the aggression under Postacoglu and I've liked the aggression this season. But... Do both of those, particularly uh, Christian Romero, do they need to tone it down a little bit? So with Romero, I mean, I'm very ap apprehensive on it because I feel like if you ask Romero to turn it down, then you lose a big kind of chunk of his game. Yeah. And you don't want to you don't want to take that out of his game, in my opinion, because that's what he's yeah. all about. That's why he's so good, that aggress being on the front foot, stepping into midfield, consistently intercepting the ball out of his opponents. But having said that, you have to realise the circumstances that you're in. And that Newcastle game, for example, 3-0 up, and he goes and does that challenge. Like, there was just no need for it. It's just a silly challenge to make. And if he would have got sent off from that challenge and he would have been out for another three or four games, then he would have really put us in it. And I feel like there's a, there's a time, a place, and a moment to do it. And when you're 3-0 up against Newcastle and the game's yeah. pretty much done, just calm down a little bit. You know what I mean? But I do, do feel like Bissouma, Bissouma needs to um, to sort his, sort himself out, to be honest, because both those red cards were just so silly. The first yeah. one sent off for diving. Like, there, there is never an excuse to get sent off for diving, ever. Yeah, yeah. And the second red card, I mean, he's just trying to make up for his, for his loose touch, but he didn't need to lunge in like that. So Bissouma... I've I've been really annoyed with Basuma since that Luton game, to be honest. But I know he's got the quality, so I'm going to keep backing him. Ben, what do you think the future holds for Tongyon Dombele? Uh, do you think we'll ever see him in a Spurs shirt again? Um, I don't know. Probably a few trips to McDonald's or something. I don't know. But <laughs> um, we're never going to see him again. No chance. If you would have asked my brother, my brother was dying for him to come back in the summer. He really, really? was. Yeah, he was. And I was like, what are you talking about? Have you not seen, have, have you not been watching the last two or three years? I mean, the guy annoys me so much because he's got all the ability in the world. He is probably technically better than all any player at this football club right now. Maybe even technically better than anyone in the Premier League. That's do, how good. Do you know what really annoys me, though? The body language. It is the, yeah. it is the body language because even um, a Galatasaray now, the, the body language of even the warm-ups, it's like he doesn't want to be there. And like you say, the, the, the ability that the guy's got, what a waste of talent. It is. It's a shame. It's a big shame because when we signed him, I was so excited. 
I saw him um, in Lyon as well. I watched a few of their games and he was just breathtaking at times. But I, we should have seen this coming, to be honest, because we... I had a chat with um, with a Leon fan on the channel when we signed him just to get a bit more info about him. And they said to me on that chat, look, he really gets up for the big games, but we question his mentality because sometimes in the small games, he doesn't turn up and you can see mm. him just walking around the pitch a little bit. And I was yeah. really shocked when, when they said that because I didn't know that was the case. And then everything unfolded at Tottenham the way it unfolded and uh, culminated of him walking off against Morecambe like he did. And I'm happy we haven't seen him uh, since then because he's been a disgrace to the badge and a disgrace to this football club with the way he's held himself. And um, if it was up to me, I probably would have ripped up the contract a year ago. Do you think we'll ever see Jed Spence in a Spurs shirt again? Do you want to see him in a Spurs shirt again? I don't know. I don't know what's going on with Jed Spence. It seems like there's something going on in the background with him. He's starting to get a look in at Leeds now. The last three or four games, I think he's played for Leeds. And I believe he's having quite good performances. But then again, it's back in the championship where we know he can do it. Uh, when we signed him, you know, right back of the year in the championship. And now again, I was really excited to see him play. I'm not sure what's gone on or why he never got a look in or um, or what's happened there. But I think he's a player who's got quality. I don't think he's ever got a chance. And I'm not sure why that is. Uh, is it a mentality problem? Is there uh, something going on in the background that we don't know about? I, I just don't know what the situation is. But with what I've said on Emerson Royale, if Jed can come in next season and be the backup to Poro and do it to a high level, I'll be 100% for that. Mm, yeah. What about Ryan Sessignon? Do you think we'll see him in a Spurs shirt again? <laughs> no. Um... Do you, do, you, well, do you remember, Ben, that excitement? So many people wanted to sign Ryan Sessegnon. And, of course, yeah. he's had so many injury problems. Yeah. Look, that summer is just looking like the worst business like any club has ever done, ever. What was it? Undombele for 65 million, Sessegnon for 20, uh, for 30, and La Celsa, what was it, for 30, uh, 45 or something like that? I mean... <laughs> Bearing in mind, we hadn't spent a penny in 518 days and then yeah. we have that transfer window, yeah. yeah. And everyone's calling back potch, back potch. We've just got to the Champions League final and that's what we spend the money on. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But Cessnion, where does he fit in under Ange? Because I don't think he can play that inverted left-back role. I just don't think yeah. that's him. Yeah. Is it a left-winger? I don't think I don't think like he's of the required ability like when you're comparing him to the likes of a Hyung Min Son out on the left wing like <laughs> do I need to say any more so I think Sessegnon's time has come and gone I think we tried to sell him in the summer to be honest and then he got another injury which held it back so I think it's just delaying the inevitable and I think he he will be out of the football club and I don't think we will see him again to be honest Ben, when most of us fans, certainly the fan channels, say we need a striker, we need to sign a striker in January. And then, of course, the last couple of games, Richarlison yeah. hits form, uh, three goals in the last two. Uh, and, of course, we signed Vélez in the summer as well. Do you think that the club will think now, well, Richarlison's hitting form, he's scoring goals. We've got Brennan Johnson who can actually play through the middle. We've mm. got uh, Hunmin Son who can play through the middle. I know, of course, he's off to... Um, his uh, cup competition with South Korea. Um, but what do you think of Vélez as well? Do you think that he will go out on loan perhaps in January? Because it does seem quite strange that Ange Postacoglu says he is a first-team player, but he hasn't had many minutes. 
Yeah, it's a bit frustrating, to be honest, because the first game he came on, I think, what, the Liverpool game, I think it was, and he came on, he put himself about. I thought he looked a bit bright, to be honest, and there was one moment where someone could have slipped him in and he would have been through on goal, but they just didn't find the right pass. But ever since then, just a minute here, a minute there, um, it's been a bit frustrating. I'm not sure what he's actually, if he's actually been brought in to contribute this year or not, but I would like to see him go out on loan to a team in England. It has to be a team in England because he needs to get used to the way that they play football um, in this country, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, you've got players coming through in the youth as well. Uh, you've got Dane Scarlett, Troy Parrott is still on loan. He's doing quite well in the Netherlands. I'm not sure um, what the plan is for him. You've got players uh, coming through the ranks as well, like Jude Sunsop bell He can't stop scoring for the under-21s. Yeah. You've got Will Lankshire as well, who's who's doing really well. Jamie Donnelly, I know he's not a striker, but you know an attacking player as well. So you've got so many players on the books at the moment that look like they could be coming through. I'm just not sure what the plan is for Alejo Valiz to be honest. But in terms of Richarlison, um, I actually thought from the beginning of the season that he could do a really good job in um, Ange's system. Just stick up at the top as number nine, finish the chances when you get them. It was obviously his head wasn't right first, half, first part of the season, carrying that injury. Since he's had that surgery and it seems like he's put those problems behind him, I thought these last two games he's been brilliant. He really has been brilliant. Three goals in two games. But look, he needs to prove it from now until the end of the season. I think this is his real test now. I think if he can prove his worth from now until the end of the season and get, well, I think he's on seven goal contributions at the moment. If he can get about 15, maybe even 20 goal contributions by the end of the season, I'll, I would say like I'm, I'm more than happy for him to stay. And I'm more than happy to, to stick my cards in the Richarlison basket and say that let's just focus on wingers. Let's, let's put the striker thing uh, to one side. But it's a big question mark because... Richarlison's been here since the start of last season, and it's only these last two games we're starting to see, um, you know, the real Richarlison, let's say. Uh, but let's hope this is the real Richarlison, and last season wasn't the real Richarlison. Are, are you a fan of Richarlison, Ben? Because when you read comments on social media, particularly after games where he's not done that well, and of course he started in that central role under Andrew at the start of the season, um, are you a fan? Because there, of course, are so many reports coming out as well that the Saudi league are, are going to come calling at the end of the season, would you be disappointed if he left? I think, like, I wasn't a fan before he joined Spurs. When the link started coming out, uh, I started to buy into it and I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, Richarlison is an unbelievable player. We should get him in. He's going to complement what we do so well. And also, like, the back end of that season with Everton, he kind of, like, single-handedly saved Everton from relegation that season. So that that's what kind of made me uh, like him a bit more. I never really liked his antics on the pitch and um, he seemed a bit to have a bit of an attitude problem, but I think I was wrong on that one. I don't, I don't think he has an attitude problem, actually. I just think he's a bit misunderstood at times. Let's, let's put it that way. And I think his first season was limited minutes, shunted out to the right sometimes, on the left, up front. He never really had a proper position, but I was completely on the Richarlison train when, when he signed for us. I really was. I was a massive fan of him. And um, he disappointed me last season. He disappointed me to a point saying, look, is this guy ever going to come good? I was saying, if we get a good offer, we may as well sell. And then Ange comes in and I thought, all right, this could be a good season for... Um, this could be a good season for Richarlison. I think the system is going to suit what he wants from playing up front even out left. I think he's had okay performances out left so far this season, but 
his injury and his personal problems, let's say, I felt held him back a little bit. But since since these games, I felt like he's um, he's really standing up for the team. So I was I, I, I I'm a bit melted up in my head on Richarlison because I've like flip flopped on him so many times. I don't know where I stand with him. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because every Spurs fan, you know, especially when uh, you go to the games, you're, you're you're cheering these players on. You really want it to work. Like Soldado, I wanted it to work for him. But sometimes it just doesn't work at some football clubs. And sometimes you just have to say, it's not going to work. You need to move on. And I completely agree with you. We need to move on as a football club and, uh, you know, sign the right players and make sure that Andrew's got the, the correct players to take the club forward and perhaps win a trophy or two. Um, I don't ben, think what that's have the same you made... case as though, Chris. I don't think that's the same case as Richarlison because we're seeing a lot more from Richarlison now. So I yeah. think we have, we have to wait until the end of the season to make that judgment call. Completely agree. Completely agree. And I, I know he's had uh, a lot of mental issues. He's had uh, injuries as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that does develop, uh, certainly in the, couple, uh, the next couple of months. Um, what have you made of um, the signings, um, Ben, Like in the summer? Because the whole spine of the team changed. Of course, Harry Kane went, Hunmin Song came into the middle, and then, as you mentioned, Madison uh, behind him, Van der Ven. Have, have you been surprised on how good Van der Ven has actually been when he's played in a Spurs shirt? Because, you know, a lot of people didn't even know Van der Ven was before the start of this season. Yeah, I did know who he was and I did, a again, extensive research on him and I thought he'd be a really good fit and maybe complement Kutu Romero really well, which he has. But I never expected him to hit the ground running as fast as he did. I mean, pretty much from his first debut against Brentford. And don't forget, he only signed about two days before that Brentford game. Yeah, and you're thinking yeah. like, how the hell is he going to play, first of all? And how is he going to have a competent game? And he was brilliant that day yeah. he's only grown since then he's got better and better pretty much every game in a Spurs shirt and I'm super surprised I'm not surprised how good he is but I'm surprised about how quickly it took uh, took him to settle into this team and settle into the Premier League because how many defenders specifically do you see come into the Premier League and take a while to settle in and he's a very young player I was just gobsmacked to how good he actually is. And you've got to commend the uh, scouting team uh, for bringing in these kind of players. And on the transfer window, in terms of the quality that we brought in, I actually think it's the best transfer window we've had under Enoch. That's how good I think it was. So James Madison, James Madison, top, top signing. Vicario, top, top signing. Uh, Van der Ven, top, top signing. Madison, um, Mano Solomon, I think he's still got a bit to prove. It's unfortunate he got um, injured when he did because I felt like he had a couple of good games. That game against Burnley when we won 5-2, I thought he was actually brilliant that game. Got two assists. It's a shame he got injured. Um, who else am I? Who am I forgetting that we brought in this summer? Who am I forgetting? Um, Alejo Valiz, question mark. Well, of course, your doggy was signed already, but of course, he's uh, made his debut this season. So uh, him yeah. as well, Phillips, who we've mentioned already, Vicario. Johnson, Brennan Johnson. I really like Brennan Johnson. Brennan yeah. Johnson, um, I feel like he's not as good on the left as when he's on the right. But when he's on the right, you can really see what he's about. Direct, quick. And I just feel like there's so much more to come from Brennan Johnson from what, than what we've seen already, to be honest. Is Brennan Johnson a typical Ange Postacoglu signing, Ben? Because he's not a world superstar, but mm. uh, of course he can be a player that Ange can really develop, a young player who can play in multiple positions. Is that the sort of um, guy that you think that Ange may be bringing in 
in this coming transfer window in January because he seems to like players that are versatile that can play in a number of different positions. Um, is he a classic Ange Postecoglou signing? I would say, on would, one would, hand, would, yeah. and, and also, would you ever think that um, Brennan Johnson would play centrally in this team? I mean, with the way our club is going with the injuries, you never, you can't count anything out. To be honest, I wouldn't count Vicario playing up front. To be honest, but um, well, you, you you've played at the Tottenham Hotspur, so you might get a call up. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know, Chris. Look. Maybe if Vicario has to go up front, then maybe you'll be called up to play in goal. You never know uh, <laughs> what can happen. But I think, to your question, is he the classic Postacoglu signing? I would say yes, in a, in a sense where he's versatile, he's quick, he can take on his man. But I would actually say, as a winger, I don't think he's actually a proper classic Postacoglu winger. I think he needs to get much better at his one-on-one -on -one, uh, dribbling, uh, to be honest. And I think uh, I would like to see him get better at his crossing as well. But it's still early days. So, I, like I said before, I really like Brennan Johnson and there's a lot more to come. But what I'm kind of explaining in terms of what he's not good enough, I think that's what more to come is. So, maybe he can turn into that kind of classic Postacoglu signing. But as of now, I wouldn't put him there just yet. Ben, all joking aside about us playing at the Spurs Stadium last year, what an experience that was. It was incredible, wasn't it? Did, has it made you think or feel any different about those players being on the pitch and how close those seats are and you, you can see every single face and you can hear what the fans are saying? Has, has it made you feel any different playing there? Um, has it made me? It was just like, I mean, when I was there, I just couldn't even think about anything like that. I was just like completely in awe of just being on that football pitch. It was just, it's like one of those bucket list, bucket list things just ticked off. I mean, I went on the pitch at White, the old White Hot Lane. I took a, a penalty against uh, Hans Sagers. And uh, don't ask me the result of that penalty because it was fairly embarrassing. But uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I basically ran out to take the penalty. And I mishit the ball and the ball just like treacled into his arms, basically. <laughs> but um, look, I was lucky enough to do that. To, but to actually take part in a game um, at the new stadium was it was just unbelievable. And like I couldn't kind of put myself in the spot to think about what it's like in a packed stadium when there's 60,000 fans there. It must be just so intense because it was intimidating just being there with no fans in it. Like, imagine what it's like just being in a yeah. in a packed stadium where they're singing and even like, well, let's say Richarlison, like for example, he, ha he takes a bad touch or he has a bad miss. And then you just hear the groans and the moans from everyone around you. Like, it must have a really big impact on you. And to be a professional footballer, You've got to be so strong. Your mentality has got to be so strong to just keep going, keep going, keep going. And you've got to give massive credit to Richarlison because since he's joined Spurs, he must have heard a lot of those groans and moans. And to come back the way he has done and to perform the way he has done in the last two games, you've got to give him massive credit. Yeah, I was delighted to be on the winning side that day. Yeah, I wasn't, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a bit of because uh, I, I got... I got uh, brought on. Mickey Hazard brought me on, and then he brought me off, like literally, like a minute later. And uh, I went. I, I said to Mickey, "Mickey, I, you just brought me on. Why, why are you taking me off?" And he's like, "Get off! Come on, get off!" And then he he called me a prima donna or something. But it was all it was all in good, uh, light-hearted spirit. Do you know me playing in goal? I just thought, like the guys like yourself who I know. I thought if you score. Or, or one of the other guys who I know score, I will never, ever in my life hear the end of it. So I'm so glad that the guys that did score, I didn't know them. 
you know what? I was actually, I'm not sure if you were at in that goal at that moment in time, but yeah, I, I played the whole game. Goal. Did you? Oh, so you are. Oh, you must have been a goal there. I, the ball comes through and I'm running through on goal and I'm, I'm yeah. thinking in my head, I'm one on one at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Like, what do I do now? And I took that split second to make my decision. I was about to pull the trigger and then I got completely hacked down. And uh, we got yeah. a free kick just outside the box. So I was gutted because I was definitely going to start it past you. I'll tell you that. It was a great tackle. And it would have been a great save, Ben. We, we know that. <laughs> um, let, let, let's talk about the uh, the upcoming games. Of course, uh, we face Everton at home next at the mm. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium two days before Christmas. And then Brighton away, Bournemouth at home, Burnley in the FA Cup. And then in January, Manchester United away, Brentford at home. These upcoming fixtures, how are you feeling? You're feeling confident that Spurs are going to pick up maximum points and go through to the fourth round of the FA Cup? I'm confident that we're going to go round to the, through to the fourth round of the FA Cup. Uh, the games that I'm confident in, in a weird way, the most confident I am is for the Brighton game away at Brighton because I'm, I think the way Brighton are playing at the moment, they're just so open at the back. I feel mm. like we've got so many tools to hurt them. Um, they're not playing too well at the moment. They're a team not on form. So I'm actually most confident about that game. The, the game I'm least confident about is actually this game coming up against Everton. I mean, they look like a frightening prospect at the moment. That 10-point deduction seems to have really invigorated them. They're yeah. such a physical team, such a physical team. And they score, I saw a stat the other day, they score one in every 11 corner that they take. And that is a hallmark of a Sean Dyche team. And I just feel like there's a possibility for us to get a bit Dyche this weekend, especially with the injuries that we have. No destiny Adogi. Is Emerson going to come in at left back? Um, is a massive concern and worry for me. So I do worry for this game against Everton coming up. Uh, but I, I think we can get three points in the other Premier League games. I would say if we get three, six, nine, ten points over the next four games, I'll say that's a brilliant return. Absolutely. Well, give me a score prediction for the Everton game if, you, if you're feeling nervy about it. I'm do, do you know on. what, Ben? I, I, I feel like the old days, when we were under Maurizio Pochettino, and, 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 and bearing in mind, I hate him now, you know, seeing that Chelsea badge on his chest, I don't like that whatsoever. I know we've moved on as a football club, but, you know, Pochettino, for me, he's Tottenham. And, you it's know, to see Chelsea on him. What's that? It's only because you look like him. No, I don't look like nothing like it. <laughs> Do you know, I went in the betting shop the other day and this woman looked up and went, oh, my God, Mauricio Pochettino. I was like, no, I thought you were joking. Um, but no, um, to see him wear that Chelsea badge, I don't like it whatsoever. But um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Uh, <laughs> talking about Pochettino. Um, Do you think he'll be successful there? If he has the time. If they give him the time he'll be successful there. I have no doubt in my mind. I think that you're looking at what Chelsea are and what they're doing right now. No manager is going to come in and hit the ground running at Chelsea right now. They're, they're going in a completely different direction than they ever have mm. done. And I feel for, for that direction that they're going in, Pochettino is, is one of the most perfect men to spearhead that project. But I feel like the fans are always going to have that in the back of their mind. Oh, he's a Spurs manager. He's a Spurs this. He's a Spurs that. You're already hearing the moans and the groans coming out from the fans right now. So I feel like the Chelsea fans should be putting that to one side and they should be seeing what he's done at Spurs and how he did it at Spurs. They've yeah. got so much money there to spend at Chelsea and they're buying in some of the best top talent, youth talent from around Europe. So 
they need to give him time. And if they do give him time, they'll reap the benefits for it. But I hope he gets sacked this season. The, the managers just don't seem to have that decision, though. And, you know, the, the clubs just bring the players in. And, of course, we know we've been there. You know, last season, Conte saying Jed Spence club signing. He said that multiple yeah. uh, times, which uh, can't be good for a player's confidence. Um, but, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, I feel that confidence, like when we used to play that entertaining uh, football under um, Pochettino, I used to go into every single game, home or away, thinking we're going to win. You know, the confidence yeah. was there from me as a fan. And I feel exactly the same this season under Postacoglu because although um, it's it, they're very open games, you know, Postacoglu just has this attitude that we'll score more goals, we'll be entertaining and uh, and we'll, you know, entertain the crowd. Um, yeah. But I'm going to go into this Everton game thinking that we're going to get three points. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 Spurs win. What are you going to go with, Ben? Yeah, I mean, you kind of took that prediction uh, from my head. I was thinking the exact same thing. I mean, as much as I was saying, I think it's going to be a really hard game and I'm worried about the game. As much as I am, I still think we can we can turn up and we can get a result because you're looking at the players that we have, Hyungmin Son and the firepower, Kulisevsky, the way he's playing at the moment is absolutely breathtaking. Uh, Pedro Porro, I mean, I'm a massive fan of Pedro Porro, the way he's playing at the moment. So yeah. we've got a lot of players that can hurt Everton, but the way they play... Um, and the way they're playing at the moment could really combat uh, what we're doing and maybe hit us with our defensive frailties and set pieces and stuff like that. So I think it's going to be a really difficult game, a really physical game. Because we're at home, I'm going to side with the boys and I'm going to agree with you as well. 2-1 Spurs. Ben, before I ask you about um, who who uh, win the league and be relegated this season, just want to touch on uh, Hunmin Son, uh, because mm. you mentioned leadership earlier. You know, us Spurs fans, particularly the fan channels, you know, in recent years have said about that we lack the leadership. For me personally, I thought it was excellent the way Andrew Postacoglu uh, appointed two vice captains and Hunmin Son as the captain. Was that the right choice for you? And, you know, we're seeing a different Sonny now because even when he brought down a player, um, I forget what game it was, a couple of games ago, he brought down a player and I thought, I've never seen Hunmin Son do that. It, it was, I think it might have even been the Forest game. Um, where he took one for the team. And I've never seen him do that. And it, you, you just seem to have like a, an aggressive Hunmin Son this season, which I'm loving. And some people have questioned his leadership on the pitch, but I'm seeing it every game. Yeah, I completely agree. And I would even go as far as to say the leadership qualities that I'm seeing from him on and off the pitch have been better than any captain I've ever seen at Spurs. Better than Ledley King, better than, um, you know, any sort of captain, even like the likes of Harry Kane. Um, so, I mean, Lloris, 100% better than Lloris. I mean, well, I think it, it, Even actually, sorry to interrupt, even the communication, Vicario talking to the defenders, I've seen him talk to the defenders more in this six months than, you know, no disrespect to Hugo Lloris, but I've seen him talk to the defenders more than Lloris has done in the past 11 years. Yeah, and we've had a massive leadership problem at Spurs over the past four or five years. No one really trying to stand up for the team and, and take it by the scruff of the neck. And you're seeing Son do that. And I feel like he's really taking the initiative to build that connection with the fan base again. You know, those small things you see, like the yeah. huddles in front of the away ends and stuff like that, 
making sure the players go over to the fans after the games at away games. I yeah. think it's absolutely spectacular. You see him as well trying to G up his players, giving pep talks to each and every one of his players. Um, the way he embraces all the players after the game. I think he is he's a phenomenon. And as much as I wanted him to be captain um, at the start of the season before it was announced, I never in my wildest imaginations thought he'd be this good at leading the team. It's brought out a new side to him. Um, he's a Spurs legend already, but now it's just taken it up tenfold, in my opinion. And like I said before, he's the best captain in this, even in this short space of, sp space of time that I've ever seen in my lifetime. And that is saying something because I thought Ledley King was a brilliant captain. Ben, at the moment, Luton, Burnley and Sheffield United are in the bottom three. Um, Arsenal, of course, are top of the Premier League. Jose Mourinho, on that podcast that I mentioned earlier, um, he gave Manchester City a 51% chance of winning the league and Liverpool 49%. And uh, when asked about Arsenal, he went, no. Um, <laughs> who, do you think, <laughs> who do you think will win the Premier League this season? I'm actually going to go for Liverpool, you know. I've got a sneaky feeling it's going to be Liverpool. I'm looking at Liverpool. I know... You know, they were pit poor against Manchester United and, um, you know, they should have won that game easily, to be honest. But you're looking at their form. In the last 27 games in the Premier League, they've only lost one. And that was to us with, when they had nine men, when they probably shouldn't even lost that game anyway. So I think that you can't ignore that kind of form over a long stretch of time, in my opinion. And I think Man City, that, something doesn't seem right with them at the moment. They have dropped off, but... You yeah. never know what's going to happen with Man City. Second half of the season, they could go win 20 games in a row and go and win the league. So it's not beyond them to do that. So I do think it's between them two. Arsenal, you can't really count Arsenal out, but I can never in my right mind say that Arsenal are going to win the league. So I think that Declan Rice has been a massive difference for them. I think he's a top, top, top player. And yeah. uh, I'd be deluded to say otherwise. I actually think Declan Rice has probably been the best player in the Premier League this season um, in terms of what he's given to a football club. So Arsenal are there and thereabouts, but I just feel like Liverpool and Man City have just been there. They've done it. They've got the experience. And um, particularly Liverpool are just on, over a longer stretch of time, better form. Yeah, everything you just said there, that's exactly why I'm back in Manchester City to win the, uh, the league. And especially after these last few results, you know that that form is not going to continue under Pep mm -hmm. and he's going to demand the absolute best. And, and, and you're right, they can go on a run. And, uh, you know, we've seen it before. Um, ben, let's talk a little bit about your channel. Um, of course, it's really evolved over the last couple of years. I don't know whether you remember um, when we were sharing a pint um, at the Wembley season. Um, you remember me saying to you and Sim, you need to do uh, interviews with fans after the game. And you two went, no, 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 we're not going to go down that route. And of course, look at your channel now. Yeah, I mean, we're not really interviewing fans at games. Um, we were for a period of time. Now we do more like call-in shows um, after watch-alongs on the game. So we kind of like cover both things. We, we go to the game and cover the aspects at the game. And sometimes... I stay and do the watch long, Sim stays and does the watch long. Or if me and Sim both go to the game, then we've got two people here um, doing the watch long. So we do interview fans in terms of like fans from all over the world, uh, which is quite fun. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm, the, the, at the period of time where we were interviewing fans outside of the game, I mean, it was fun uh, communicating with people regularly, but... I kind of just fancy just going to the game and having a pint and, and just relaxing and just enjoying it, to be honest. I don't like working too much, if you know what I mean. 
<laughs> I know what you mean. It's 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 great doing these channels, but sometimes you think I just want to watch the game. And uh, yeah. there are some times where I've not done the fan cams actually in the last year or two, and I just think no, I'm going to really enjoy the game. But um, what have you made of uh, social media and uh, the amount of YouTube channels that there are now, not just covering Tottenham, but other clubs as well? Because it's huge now, isn't it? It's massive. And um, it's it's crazy to think like since we started doing our channels, because we, me, you, um, like Max, Expressions, we were like the first kind of group that were doing it, right? Yeah. And yeah. now you've got about, countless amounts of Spurs channels like just forget the rest of the Premier League you've got so many different Spurs channels so many different great creators um doing stuff at the moment I'm loving seeing um all the content that they're making I love how much this space has evolved and I think it's only going to keep evolving and keep evolving um I've met so many great friends doing this stuff that have made their own channels and are doing so well for themselves as well um I'm just loving it, to be honest. I love every second of it. I mean, the day that I quit my day job and um, and did this full time was probably the best decision I ever made. And I'm loving every second of it. And I can't thank um, all the people that come and interact with us and come on the channel. And, you know, every time I go to the game, people asking me for selfies and, and you know, just trying to come up and chat with me. Like people I've never met before. And it's just unbelievable, to be honest. And I never thought like 10 years ago when I was just a, spurs obsessed guy just going games week in week out up and down the country that in 10 years time my job will be talking about tottenham with my brother which i did every day anyway yeah yeah incredible well many congratulations on the channel it seems to be thriving um ben very last question for you of course uh, the baby is due any minute any hour any day um any names in mind do you know whether it's a boy or a girl and will it be a tottenham mm -hmm. fan <laughs> do you really think I'll let my child not be a Tottenham fan? <laughs> I said, I said to Ashley, um, I said to Ashley, who's my wife, I said, the first thing I'm doing when the baby is born is season ticket waiting list. That is the first thing I'm doing before we register the baby, before we do anything. That's the first thing that's going to happen is season ticket waiting list. So unfortunately for the baby, I do know, well, not unfortunately, I do know the sex, but unfortunately I'm not going to be telling you on stream. Um, or off stream to be honest <laughs> um but i would say that this baby is either going to hate spurs or absolutely love spurs because they're going to have it absolutely rammed down their throat well hopefully they can they can live many many trophies and say dad what was your problem you know we, we, we're getting trophies and we've been <laughs> in the champions league non-stop wouldn't that be nice um ben yeah. you've been an absolute great guest and uh, as you've said um, on and off air um, we do need to collaborate a lot more so hopefully you'll be back on this channel um, a whole lot more in the future and uh, of course I do uh, miss not seeing you at those European games normally chatted to you and Sim at the airports many times uh, you know during those Champions League games uh, so hopefully we'll be back in the Champions League very very soon hopefully next season um, but yeah look forward to seeing you and Sim um, in the very near future and uh, you're always very welcome on this channel Thank you very much, Chris. And hopefully we'll be able to get you on uh, We Are Tottenham TV pretty soon as well. I mean, I'm, I'm a, obviously about to take a break from, from YouTube for a little while. So once we're back and I'm back and up and running, um, I'm looking forward to doing some more content with you. I yeah, loved it today. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, as I say, many congratulations again to uh, you and Ashley and best of luck with everything. I uh, hope it all goes well and uh, we will see you soon. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. And until the next time, come on, you Spurs.
TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.